Welcome to another episode of The Sebastian Show. This week we had on Dr. Patrick Flynn. It was a wide-ranging discussion for everything from vaccines to politics to health and wellness. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Let me know in the comments below. You and I met in December, and I immediately felt like I connected with you. There were so many similarities just in our values and our communication style. But you're in the women's women's health space, right? And a lot of your content is geared towards women's health, which I always think is it's one incredibly needed. But two, how do you show up as a man doing that and get credibility, right? And your story here is amazing. I'm setting you up because I, I know why and how. But can you just explain how you got into this space and why and why you're so passionate about it? Because your conviction is incredible and your results speak for themselves. So how did you get started here? Well, I always say this, anything that's great to accomplish is because there was a need that someone else could not provide. And so the story goes where I was a sick child myself and that's what led me to become, you know, the education, which we'll get into later, my background and everything. But then what really got me to the woman's space was, you know, one day I was, you know, um, it was kind of cool. I actually met this beautiful woman and, um, we started to hang out a little bit, and on the second day that we started hanging out, uh, she looked at me and she said she was gonna marry me. And I looked at her back and I said, you know, I kinda think you're right, and stuff. And then we started to hang out and we started to do things. But then a couple weeks into our, into, yes, in a couple weeks into our adventure, um, you know, I went over to visit her, and once again, um, she was crying and there were some things going on. Well, that day she actually had her period and it was extremely devastating. And the one thing about it is, I never knew, even though I, was, I wasn't completely uh, done with graduate school yet, I still had a couple months left of school, but even the two weeks getting to know her, I didn't realize she was this sick. She had endometriosis, she had cystic acne, she had cluster headaches, and, uh, and she had ulcerative colitis. And you, no joke, in dating her for two weeks, I had no, no clue, honestly, no clue. She hid it so well. But the day she couldn't hide it because she got her period, and it was so devastating. And that's when she started to tell me all the things that were going on with her health-wise and fertility, so then you know, I had to make a choice. You know, and, and this is the thing, we all have to make choices in life and it doesn't matter if it's business, doesn't matter if it's personal, doesn't matter what it is. And I had to make a choice, you know, uh, I, I wanted a family and, and at that time, you know, she's been told that it can't be provided, uh, she couldn't provide that for me due to the fact that what the perspectives she's being led by and that, that was the current medical field. And, and just to fast forward today, it's still the same concept today that they based and gave all the advice to her back then. And I just, just didn't settle with me and so, I made the choice that now we stay with her, but obviously we're on, we've been married 22 years and now we have four daughters. And, uh, and if you would have, in, a, in the current system that was helping women in the form of healthcare is, and which is, once again, they're still perpetuating the same ideas today. I said, I disagree. I disagree with what they told her. I disagree with what they taught her. I disagree with it. And I started to dig deep into it and realizing that, you know, the physiology of a man, physiology of a woman is, is extremely different. And we're all taught it in school and therefore, what it ends up happening is I end up saying, okay, listen, I started to dig deep because what they were telling her, and I know there are certain components of what she was suffering with endometriosis that I started to dig deep with, and I realized not only do women not only understand their physical or mental aspects of the body, that they actually lie to them. They literally lie to them and mislead them. And so what I came along and said, listen, um, I have to tell women about this. And then, of course, you know, I started to have, you know, apply this care to her, and once again, obviously, endometriosis reversed, also have colitis gone. When I first met her, she couldn't even eat salad. 
no joke. It was, she had such a limited diet. Um, when, I used to, when we used to drive across town on one side of Green Bay to the other, which is only about 15 minutes, she would fall asleep from exhaustion just in the car. And it could be, she could have got up an hour before. And of course, reversing all the, that process with her, and then I started practice, I started engaging and realized that, oh my goodness, women are extremely sick. They're extremely misled. Um, you know, if you have any kind of hormonal issue, you're, you're put on some form of birth control, which by, if you look at the, even the classification of birth control, it's known as an endocrine disruptor. And I don't know how you can endocrine disrupt any woman back to health, which is what they're trying to accomplish. So I started to really, you know, come up with some things and, and obviously I've been sharing them. And of course it, it started with one small office. I started, no joke, uh, I started my first office on $500 that my mom went to Office Depot with me and, and bought stationery, bought some stuff. I started, I had no phone, I had nothing. I had no secretary, I had no nothing. And, but I did have an idea. And I started, to, I started to apply that idea. And of course we went from one office to now we even have offices all over US and, and um, you know, a couple in Europe and growing. And, and it's been, and I've been able to speak on all forms of healthcare stage from natural to medical to every kind of practitioner there is. And, and my ideas spread quite nice. And then the best result is this, is, is the clinical results, the results what people want happen. Because no matter what the idea is, if it doesn't turn out to be a great um, a response and a great outcome, no one's gonna, you know, uh, not only pay attention to it, but invest into it that way. So that's what's kind of happened. And so what it came down to was, it was a choice. There was a need. And therefore I, I, I figured out a need that women needed to see and need to get. So I have so many questions related to this, but it, this started as a personal venture to solve a problem for the, the woman of your dreams. Yep. And you did, yep. which is yep. incredible. So, and how many years ago was this? You guys have been married for 22 years, but when did you first start your first office? Uh, it was December 27th, 1999. So I met her on July 30th, 1999. We started dating August 1st and stuff. That's when she told me she was gonna marry me. And of course now, you know, 22 years later, well, really 24 years later, it's, uh, it's where we're at. Cause uh, we met 24 years ago, this coming uh, July 30th, whenever this podcast comes on. So, yep. It's been 24 years. That's so cool. Congratulations. So, so just for, for context, for the people who don't know who you are and probably should have started here, but I'll come back to that. Can you uh, tell us all the titles next to your name and the education level that you have just so that people really understand yeah. where you're coming from? So when I was a kid and I was diagnosed as a juvenile delinquent uh, because I had some psychiatric things going on, they, they told me I'd never become anything. I remember the counselors telling my parents that if I wasn't uh, put into counseling, different things, I'd end up in prison someday. And what didn't realize is that I manifest with some psychological things that came from different immune things that were happening in my body. And as today, if you understand any form of healthcare, we know that the body's extremely connected to all parts. Like I, I love analogies, so I say the body's like a Swiss watch. All the gears, it connect together. Uh, your big toe controls your heart. You know, people don't realize that. I said, smash your big toe, what happens to your heart? Everybody giggles, it goes, it goes up, but they don't realize that, that any part of your body can affect it, so that means that if you, uh, you know, stress in our part of your body, it can affect almost every tissue of the body. Well, I happen to have some, you know, allergens and other things that are affecting me immune-wise, and it changed me psycho psychologically. So then I started to study nutrition as a teenager, then I went to school, but also I knew there was an immune factor, so my background I went to school for was nutrition and immunology, and also biochemistry and my bachelor's and stuff. But what I ended up doing though, is I realized that the medical field, once again, um, couldn't answer certain questions because I was looking going, okay, if I'm a nutritionist, do I go to registered dietitian after I get my bachelor's and go to school? Um, but I looked at going, well, my goodness, I learned in school that 
you know, they would teach high fructose corn syrup was good for you. And because once again, the food companies do control what happens in a lot of the textbooks and it wasn't making sense to me. So while I don't want to live in that world because they couldn't help me in the first place as well, do I go as an immunologist and things like that? Well, obviously in the last three years proved me right on this. Uh, and once again, uh, having a background in this is, you know, they're so pushed towards vaccines. And uh, obviously I realized how detrimental those things were, uh, just even understand an undergraduate because it doesn't make sense when you look at immunology. And so I'm like, so I started looking through the natural field and I started to look at going, okay, listen, and I, and I started to look at the, all the practitioners out there and I went to a chiropractor and I actually even helped me even a little bit more immune rot wise and everything. And I started to go in that venture. So I finished chiropractic school in 1999 and, and then I started, so I took all my education and then in my postgraduate education, obviously I've continued and, and I can honestly tell you, I'm always taking classes from beautiful, you know, accredited colleges. Like I just signed up for another Ivy League school. Uh, course, I actually just signed up for my second Harvard Medical School course that, uh, once again, they allow you to take them online, you pay your tuition, you do all things like that. It's like, so I, so I, my education never stops uh, because I believe that you should always be learning. And, and I pay for the courses. I take accredited schools, like um, I got the uh, immunology course I'm taking right now, which once again, you know, does it add up to all the different backgrounds, educations? Well, of course it does. It's just that I've always told people, it's like um, uh, my, my education's extensive. I got massive credit hours in and accredited colleges and different ones. And, and, but what happens is, it, it, in looking at it from a different perspective, it allows me to even look at some of my professors and, and pose questions to them. Uh, because once again, it, when I was sitting there with some of my professors in school, they would, everybody's trained to think a certain way. And a lot of people don't realize this, that their parents train them a certain thing away, especially on healthcare. You know, I, I did an article that got some pretty heated stuff before social media even existed, it went into the local paper because it said parents train their kids to be drug users. And it got- Was that the title? Yeah, I'm like going, yeah, my local town, I'm like going, I'm sitting there, or, or, you know, I also produced an article that really got crazy. I said, sick mommies produce sick babies. And it was like, and I'm sitting there, you know, steamily, my wife's shaking her head right now going, yeah, those, and people attacked us. This was even before social media because I'm like, wait, your child doesn't feel good. What do you do? Run to a drug. Child doesn't feel good, run to a drug. And all of a sudden their 13 year old gets dumped by her boyfriend, 16 year old, and she runs to a, a drug or alcohol and you're surprised you've trained them that way. And so, so, so getting people to, to shift out of that programming that they've had since they were little, trust your doctor, trust your doctor. And I have to tell you, the last three years in COVID, um, were probably some of the three most rewarding years for me because all the lies that perpetuated that they've trained people on came out. Do you say I'm? And I'm like going, I'm kind of like going, when I said I disagree 24 years ago, you know, my new book coming out is called I Still Disagree. And uh, because it hasn't changed because the perspective, it's how you, you know, there's no saying, you know, you don't see the world the way it is, you see the world the way you are. Well, what if you're wrong? Yeah. And yeah. That's a big thing. In the scientific community, it's generally considered if you don't come up with a new theory by the time you're 35, you won't, because by that time your, your brain crystallizes into seeing the world a particular way. Once you do, you're locked into that, that particular paradigm. You're not likely going to accept or see anything that challenges it, which is kind of an issue within the scientific community that we see over and over again. It's like they get trained to looking at the world a particular way and they get stuck. And then in the medical field, I was surprised that it, as a kid, uh, I was exposed to a lot of the people in the, the medical field and in nutrition, and the, the lack of overlap was shocking to me. How many doctors spend so little time in preventative medicine or around nutrition uh, and are, are just focused on treatment? 
right? And I was like, that's what, that seems counterintuitive to me. Why wouldn't you be learning about preventative medicine? And then I think the, the dark side of that is a lot of people will say, well, there's no, medis there's, no, there's no money or there's very little money in preventative medicine. There's a lot more money in, in treatment. What are your thoughts on that when you, when you hear something like that? Well, remember, if you think of this way, you know, medicine, if you really want to sum them up in one thing, they, they, they really focus on one major condition and they believe everybody has it. It's called a pharmaceutical deficiency syndrome. Now, I make everybody laugh when they say that, but there's not one condition in the world that you have because you're pharmaceutically deficient. But if I just say you're vitamin D deficient, you could die from COVID. Do you say, and, or you could die from any immune factor, or could other, you could have hormonal issues, you could have everything. If I say vitamin C, you could actually die from you know, having a deficiency there. See, there's, that's the big thing. We, we, and, and I've created some analogies for people to understand this. I always tell people where you can have respect for all forms of healthcare is you have to understand what is needed and when. You know, I've always said, you know, I said, I always think of medicine like the fire department. You know, if your house catches on fire, uh, we know that there's professionals like the firemen to show up and, but if you look at their tools that they have, they have an ax and a hose to put out the, the house fire. But by doing that, they actually do this. By putting out your fire, they cause destruction to the house. Water hits the walls, they knock down your window, knock down your door. And then after they're all done and your house is all burnt up, but it's still standing, the fireman is very proud of his work and he's very happy and you're even happy. But I'm like, you can't live in the house. So you would never move in there. So you need to call to a toy for professional to deal with the same exact house. And I always said, listen, I, I said, you'd call a carpenter. Now, if the carpenter showed up at your house when it was all burnt up, he's like, this is horrible. This is, I mean, my goodness, I got to remodel, rip out, do all things of like this. And he's meant to bring the house back to normal. And I said, that's what we have to look at healthcare. Medicine is the fire department. They have axes and hoses, drugs and surgery to put out the emergency. If all of a sudden, just hypothetically, if all of a sudden there was like an NBA superstar that his son had cardiac problems, um, you know, and all of a sudden they run him to the hospital, thank God we had drugs and surgery to save his life. But, you know what I'm saying is this, even if they save his life, there's still a burnt up house on the inside and it needs to be rebuilt and brought back to normal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the sad part is this, the fire department today is saying, listen, our idea of prevention is we're going to stand outside your house and we're going to spray it down every single day. And they'll say, look at your chance of having fire is less, but they cause some rotting out of your house. And that's what happened to LeBronny James and stuff. They yeah. said, here, you're worried about virus here. Just inject you with these things and it destroys your heart, destroys your liver, destroys your kidneys, destroys your brain. And all of a sudden they create fires. So I said, so I'm just, I came with a different perspective say, listen, I'm a carpenter doctor. There's no part of your body that's, that can be rebuilt from a pharmaceutical. You say, and mm -hmm. vice versa. There's no herb or an adjustment or nutrition that can immediately save somebody's life. So see, so there's, there, is a, there, there has to be respect for both sides, except for if you speak like I do, you, they will just like the CIA created, the, to be able to realize, the CIA created the term conspiracy theory. They call you a conspiracy theorist and go and, you know, no, here's what happens. It's just that one skim. Uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, people don't realize. You know, we've talked about this before. Everybody, you know, uh, we met at Patrick at David's event, okay? Um, and, we, and people talk about this, you know, they talk about the war machine, you know, uh, the government spends $750 billion on, on um, you know, um, military and it's so big and, and look at all the corruption that happens because of $750 billion and all these things, and they start wars because of it. Hey guys, the healthcare system in the United States is $4.1 What kind of things do you think that they would start to get all that money? You say, you don't have a problem with that kind of financial problems unless the government's involved. So you get, if you got government out of healthcare and got it back to doctors, which it's not controlled by doctors. Look what happened. I said the last three years have proven that to everybody. 
So I just came along with a different concept and I stood strong because if I don't, who's going to? You know, the doctors that were very nice that were trying to help my wife re, um, manage her ulcerative colitis or endometriosis that way, they were very nice people. They were very, they, they, they actually even care, they really do. But their method and their thinking leads people to destruction and she was very young at the same time. She's 22 years old, 23 years old and, and very sick already and now we're seeing that happen even more. And I, and I tell people, and if I'm wrong, please do me a favor. If I'm wrong, then everybody should be doing so well. Yet six out of 10 people today have one chronic illness, four out of 10 have two or more. We spend more on healthcare. There's more diabetes, infertility, cancer, inf um, heart disease and ever in history and we're getting worse yet why? Because we have a thinking that dominates people in healthcare and we're not getting it, we're not achieving it. Well, it this is, when you look at these stats, it's like if we're so, if we are so uh, technologically advanced in our understanding of, of medicine and treatment, why are we getting worse, not better? I think I read a stat that the third leading cause of death in the United States is not, it's not even malpractice, it's, what's the practice yeah it, there's a practice of medicine pra yeah it there's another name for it though but anyway it's like yeah it's, it's a side effect of us trying to treat disease right it's like wait wait how is this how are we getting worse not better to me the proof is in the pudding and i think and tell me if you agree with me uh in, in, in my studies in nutrition our body is designed to take care of itself if we give it the right things and i think a lot of people have you're given a Ferrari, and that's the, the analogy I use, you're given a Ferrari at birth, but you haven't learned how to drive it, so you beat the crap out of it, and then you think it's getting old because it's not running as well as it used to, and it really isn't because it's getting old, it's because you're not taking care of it. You've never learned to take care of your body, and then you have a system that just wants to give you a pill for everything, and oh yeah, continue to consume shit product, continue to put things in your body that are hurting it, but yeah, we'll keep giving you pills for that. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? What do you, what do you th what's your thoughts on the body being able to take care of itself? Well, one of the biggest things that they've ever uh, done to a generation of people is they've convinced people that you're genetically programmed for disease. That's not true. Let me give you a couple scenarios. You know. If all of a sudden, you know, you come to me and say, Doc, I have high blood pressure, but so did my dad and so did my grandpa. And I'm like, okay. And then as I figure out the things that change your blood pressure and get it back normal, I say, look, I change your whole genetic pool. And they start laughing. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Listen, for example, let's go back to my dumb example, but it's very physiologically true. When, when you know, if I accidentally smash your toe or you stub it in the middle of the night, guess what happens? Your blood pressure changes, your blood sugar changes, your stress hormones change, all these things change because your body was under a form of stress. And therefore, if you move away from that stress, your body is genetically programmed to go back to what? Normal, if you come in contact with a bacteria or a virus, your body's gonna raise its temperature. You know, once again, uh, bacteria has a hard time living above 101, viruses go to 104. Your body raises its temperature, and once again, as long as the pathology is cleared out, your body will genetically go back to a normal, homeostatic, physiological response. But if I can convince you that your problems are genetic, that means you have to go to the experts that only know how to manipulate and alter it, and they've convinced people that they are genetically you know, programmed for a disease. That's not true. You are genetically programmed for a health response. It's just that what we can do, we can, we can now do things to our body that we're trying to adapt, adapt to, and that long-standing adaptation leads to a pathological response. So I sat back and looked and said, listen, instead of trying to treat the end result, which medicine does, I said, I'm gonna find the stressors that contribute to those moving out in the first place. And I realized that there's three major stressors to the human body 
And I think I figured out number one for women and I've proven it scientifically and I've proved it clinically and I've got hundreds of thousands, if not millions of labs to prove it. Um, and I look at it and I call it the three T's. There's some form of physical trauma, there's some form of toxins or deficiencies, or there's some form of thoughts, mental stress. So I call it the three T's, trauma, toxins, and thoughts. And I can honestly tell you, if we look at the male population, um, guess what happens? I think they toxify their body like crazy. And I think women destroy themselves by mental stress. And I think those two, now right, though all three things encompass both males and females. But back on that, one thing that also happens, and this is a, a funny topic, well actually I would say funny, it's more of a devastating topic. You know, I have to deal with a lot of people that are told that they say, listen, if you feel like a different gender, just do this, we'll give you some hormones. And so I will run labs on a male and a female, and there's certain biological genetic markers that allow you to stay within a certain range, and they can inject a woman with testosterone, and then they can jack it up, and they can even take on male characteristics. But you know what happens the minute they stop taking those hormones? Their body genetically brings them back to those normal ranges that what they're genetically programmed to do. And so therefore, yeah, but, but, it's, but like I said, that's just basic biochemistry. And so therefore, and here's what happens, and now when you stick those high levels of testosterone, or if you're a male, those high levels of estradiol, the body will respond. They will respond, and you can take on even different sex characteristics. You can change your voice, you can change your look, you can change everything. And you're in constant stress on your body, which leads to some pathology. And so they're creating illness, and they're creating cancers, and they're creating psychological problems by doing those kind of things. And so that to be accepted, and doctors are always supposed to take an oath, and we all have, no matter what profession you are, is to do no harm. Well, I look at the harm that they're doing, and, and that when I saw the BS, because I've been involved in vaccines and immunology since I was literally a teenager, um, I saw the junk coming with COVID, and I started hiring civil liberties lawyers, and I fought, and we never lost one case in Wisconsin, not one, standing for people's freedom to choose. And because you know why? Because, and now, here's what happens. You know, where are, all the, where are all the experts now saying what we did was good? Because any person that comes from a perspective like us knew not only was it a lie, but knew the fact that their, their perspective of how to go after it uh, would now be devastating, it'd be damaging, and we're seeing it now. And, you know, it's really funny, I watch, because I do, I do a lot of politics, all politicians are saying, well, we gotta just forgive those people. No, they need to be accountable. They need to be accountable because they've caused a lot of human damage. So, so there's, a, there's a number of things I want to get into here. You said earlier vaccines don't make sense from an immunology standpoint. Can you just unpack what you mean from that? I, I, with the context of COVID, just to give you a, a frame here, I was 100% on the camp of it's somebody's choice and I don't buy it. If somebody, I'm a big fan of freedom. So for me, it's, hey, if you think this is going to keep you alive, it's your right to take it. Forcing somebody to take it, I was like, is this really happening right now? Is this, is this where we're at and as a society? I'm freedom of choice, right? You get to choose whether you want to put that on your body. But damning people or shaming people who don't want to take it is like, are you kidding me? And then you're right. Three years later, a lot of us are sitting here going, hey, weird. And when the CDC is releasing information that is damning to the entire thing. It's like, wow, we, there's something, like, what's going on here? And it's, it's like, hey, are we just over it now? Nobody wants to talk about it now that it's clear that there were some big, some big issues tied to it that a lot of us had concern over. But can you explain your take on why vaccines don't make sense from an immunology standpoint? Yeah, well, if you ever look at this, it doesn't matter what your background is. 
I can talk to a podiatrist because I talk to all medical field uh, and also in the natural field. If you're a naturopath, if you're a chiropractor, if you're uh, if even if you're an immunologist, I have a very close friend uh, who's as a, a PhD immunologist and used to make vaccines for a living, and now he's fully against them. But here's the point: and see, if you look at you look at all the spectrum of doctors out there, or even practitioners, you sit there and go, "There's one thing that we agree upon." Just like in the nutrition world, there's only one thing that we all agree upon. We agree that fiber is is probably good for everybody, okay? That's probably the only nutritional thing we really agree upon. But on the flip side, when you look at the disease state or any pathological response, there's some inflammatory response that contributes to every condition on the planet, okay? Yeah. So therefore, if you look at what inflammation is there, is, there is some stressor and there's some immune response, okay? And if that immune response, once again, initially is to, for example, um, you've heard this before and, and this is, a big lie, it's been perpetuated for so long, and even the person who created it said it's wrong. Um, you've heard that once again, if all of a sudden you twist your ankle, what are you supposed to do? You rice it, rest, ice, compress, and elevate. That creates damaging effects long-term if you do that. And even the person who created it said, oops, I was wrong, okay? And here's, here's why, because if you think about this, see, they always think, and here's, if you come from this standpoint, and this is what separates me and separates from basically all the healthcare field. You, you have to think the way that the medical field thinks, and even a lot of the natural field, they think that the body is not intelligent and it makes mistakes. Your body doesn't make mistakes. It does everything, it's very intelligent to survive. And if you understood, that's what I said, I can honestly tell you, I believe more in God by understanding the human body than I would if I didn't. I don't understand how you couldn't. I, I'm with you, yeah. This thing is so intelligent. So, but, but the medical field has trained you to think that it's a broken down machine. Do you understand if you even cut your finger that there's no doctor that knows to put all those cells at the perfect place to go look back the way it was before? I mean, that's, that should blow you away. You wanna really get really freaky. You should see just how, understand how the female body correlates every month. That would blow your mind away. But here, so if you look at this way, let's go back to the point of inflammation. So therefore there's some, there's some, there's some stimulus. So let's say you did twist your ankle. Your body's natural response, God-given response, inflammatory response, said, listen, I may have damaged collagen, ligaments, tissue, bone, and it says, ah, it tells you, I gotta bring down a ton of blood and repair cells to do that and, and bring it to that area, and then I gotta get you to stay off it because it's damaged goods. And so what do people do? Well, let's rice, let's... Literally do everything to keep your body from healing it. Yeah. That's it. That's what it. What are we doing? Yes, and now what happens is this, and, and, and that's why if you lack different things, because one-third of our body's collagen, okay? One-third? Um, one-third one of our whole body's collagen, and that's why I kind of laugh. We can get into it, too, but I kind of laugh when people are like, well, Doc, I'm a vegan. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Let's talk a little bit more, but that's a whole other topic, especially in California, where you're from, okay? But so the idea is this, and so all of a sudden, you know, it, now if you're lacking things, you can't repair. So you stay in an inf a consistent inflammatory stage, which now can be degenerative can be extremely degenerative. So the idea is so when you look at chronic inflammation, the, the, everybody tell you from a bad tooth to a bad toe to a heart disease is just a chronic immune response without full repair and recovery. That's basic biology, basic immunology, basic repair, basic restoration, everybody knows that. Well, here's what happens. If you think about this, um, let's go through just even a common infection. Let's even take anything from the common cold to chicken pox to, to anything, okay? Have you ever noticed that our body, once again, when we come upon this earth, 
our body is now, we have, we have a certain innate immune system that is meant to, that we're born with. And the majority of it comes from our mother. It really does. And that's why sick mommies produce what? You know, some sick babies. That's why it's very important and that's why I watch women. You know, women get a little too excessive on their foods and because they almost like they're acceptable to gain too much weight during pregnancy to say, well, it's, it's babe weight. No, you're kind of overeating some bad crap, okay? I see all the time. And then you talk to women that way and they're like, they get offended, but I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to tell you the truth. And truth sometimes is not, you know, accepted that well. But the idea is that so they get an immune system, but then the rest of their immune system is acquired, which means by, by nature is contact. So therefore, the only way that you can really build your immune system is by contact. And the first bacteria that you get and come in contact with is actually the vaginal canal of the mother. And that's why, by immunology standpoints, and we're taught in every one of our classes, it's called the first meal. It's actually called the first meal. And that's how we restore a bunch of our normal flora. So when they're swabbing women's vaginas and sterilizing the whole aspect, you're actually taking away from the first immune response for a child as it's born. So therefore, and then what happens is, then they're brought to breast, and guess what happens? And this is how cool this. I mean, this is how neat it should just fascinate you like crazy. You know, when a child's brought to breast and a child is breastfed, you know, I hate to tell you this, guys, the nipples are just not there for our pleasure, okay? The nipple itself is actually a sensory organ. And the saliva of a baby actually is a messenger hormones in there that attach to the mom's nipple and tell the mom what to make on the demands its foods it's have, why it's breastfeeding. That is, that is the coolest thing ever. Do you say, when I learned that in college, I was like, okay, that's some cool stuff. That's why women that don't go to breast and they would pump all the time, I'm like, hey guys, at least let your child attach on once a week, once every two weeks, because that's why if you ever notice, formulas change as they get older. Well, the baby communicates it through messenger hormones in their saliva to the nipple to tell it what to do. It's, just, it's, it's quite incredible. And plus the mom's pumping a ton of bacteria and other immune cells into the baby during time. So it actually lives off of mom's immune system through the breast milk and everything. But then that gives, a, that gives a child exposure time, exposure time. And that's why you've ever noticed, watch this women, you probably experience this. All of a sudden your child's breastfeeding, and you stop breastfeeding because let's say they get a certain age and they stop breastfeeding. You ever notice your child starts to get colds and infections a little bit more? That's a good thing. Oh my goodness, my baby's sick. Um, let me see a question, Sebastian. If all of a sudden, uh, you know, one day that you came over here and I gave you a shot of gasoline, you drank it. Um, your body's natural, God-given genetic response is you'd probably throw up, puke, get a fever, get diarrhea. The average American would say, oh my goodness, Sebastian, you're sick. I'm like, no, Sebastian, you're not. You're extremely healthy because your body's ridden something that doesn't belong there. And what we've done, we've created all this symptomatology like it's a bad thing. Now, Drew, perpetuate symptom, if that lasted for six weeks, yeah, okay, there's a problem. But you got to remember that our body creates these inflammatory responses to help rid stuff that doesn't belong there. So now, if you think of it this way, but let's think about also when a child first comes in contact with certain bacteria. That's why, and they get it from going in dirt, they get it from other populations, which is good. They, I, I always think, I, you know, if you ever watch Kids of Today, September is one of the greatest petri dishes on the planet, it's called school. Because they come in contact with different and manipulated viruses and, and mutated viruses and stuff. And they should, I expect my young ones to, as they go to school, to come back with some great sniffles and some fevers and things. And we perpetuated because we compare ourselves to Africa you know what I'm saying, that a fever's bad. A fever's not bad, dehydration is bad, okay? You don't have clean water and you perpetuate a fever and get dehydrated, it can be bad. And there's still kids in foreign countries that do do that because they don't have clean water. But we don't live in that kind of society. And they try to tell you it was a vaccine that helped it, it really wasn't. Uh, but the idea is this, uh, because no joke, third world countries and Bill Gates, it's not a joke, it's not like it's not, it's not, like it's not public record. They're, they experiment on them all the time and they still die from dehydration and everything else. 
But the idea is this, so then all of a sudden, if you look at the stages of what it takes for uh, uh, the immune system to work. See, if a bacteria enters an orifice from our nose to our mouth to our eyes to any, uh, if it's a woman, the vaginal canal, we have certain barriers that do what? That give us protection systems and delayed immune responses and slowed immune responses that allowed us to build up a natural immunity, okay? And, but even by that, there's some inflammatory response. For example, you know, if all of a sudden your child comes home and they're, and they're sniffling, uh, the immediately condition that the medical field and the current medical system wants you to believe is that they're sick. I'm like, no, that's a beautiful God-given genetic response because it's written by a body. And then we have certain barriers and it allows that thing to, and it, do you know what's really funny? This is the coolest thing about the immune system. It will take a chunk of it and code it and build cells to, to affect only that thing. Man, that's intelligent. So, so explain, and I, I'm with you, and I love what you're saying, this is beautiful. Uh, explain to me, so I, I had, during COVID, I, I was frustrated with the control and limit that people that chose not to get vaccinated um, were under, right? What you can do, what you couldn't do, how to wear masks, such as like. And I asked, I, I asked every doctor I could find, if I got COVID and my body did what it was supposed to, and it ridded my body of COVID, and I had an immune response that created the antibody in my system, what's the difference between a natural immune response and getting a vaccine? Why don't I get a vaccine card? And not one single doctor could answer that. And then it came out three years later, like, hey, go ahead. Apologize, but I want you to get this point. Um, if you ever ask any, remember, and I have medical people that work for me, including nurse practitioners and everything like that, and I'll tell you this, if you ask them what they're taught in, about vaccinology or immunology in school is nil to nothing. They're taught obey, listen, don't question the CDC schedule. It's not a joke, you ask them. And so that's why they can't explain the most basic aspects of immunology to people. And so I come along and everything I just taught you, you can look up an immunology book and go, he's not wrong. Do you say, and when you can't, and you've, you've experienced this in any business, when you can't attack the message, you have to attack the what? The messenger. The messenger, ad hominem, it's, the, it's all over the people. place. But it's like going, and, and, but then even as what's happening now, um, they're just saying, you know, well, trust the, trust the science, trust the experts. Well, no, because here's what happens this. The majority of um, scientific literature that they do on it, they said um, they not only hide it, and people, that's why people said, well, Doc, you know, you know, I read all the research. I said, well, really, because Pfizer wanted to close it for 75 years, so how'd you read it? Nobody else. You know, this is what, we know this because I recently was with this person not too long ago. Um, you know, RFK, you know, once again, um, you know, the CIA admitted that they were involved in an assassination. It's not a conspiracy theory. They're the ones that created the term. And guess what happens this, and what they do is they try to perpetuate, like, you know, um, they censure you, they, 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 they say, no, it's not true, and they suppress information. And if you look, they're like, they're starting to unclassify documents, but you say, well, those people shall be held accountable. Yeah, they're all dead. That's why they suppress information for a long period of time, and eventually Fauci's going to die, you know what I'm saying? And they'll say, well, he's nothing to do about now. No, it's the government agency involved. Yeah, yeah so this is interesting to me because what you're talking about, and I want to hear the other side of this, because if your body has a natural immune response to create the antibodies to treat, and, and, and certainly many of us did, and then the CDC did come out and say, hey, it turns out the natural immune response was just as good, if not better, at responding to COVID than somebody who got the vaccine. 
So that's a natural immune response. I want to go back to a statement you made because I want to understand this. Why, in your opinion, are vaccines, which I'm, I'm, a, I'm a layman here, right? So I'll just explain it the way I understand it, is in some cases using a dead virus or a, a synthetic virus to produce the same antibody. Why, in, in your perspective, is that not healthy or not useful in the same way as a natural immune response? Or why doesn't it make sense from an immunology standpoint? Let's even go back to this. Even for a vaccine to be put on a market, it has to be shown to have a certain immune response. But some of those immune responses don't ever go down. And for example, if you look at some of the adjuncts they put on like aluminum, aluminum, your body has a very hard time reading it. Now, obviously, if you, ever, if you even look at the Alzheimer's website, they say, listen, they know that you know, Alzheimer's has a contribution to have aluminum toxicity. That's why even on the website, they say, don't get a, don't get a uh, drink out of aluminum cans. Don't uh, use aluminum cookware. Don't have five flu shots in a row because it contributes to it. But here's what happens to this, and now what it does, because our body, once again, doesn't have a really good job of, of eliminating it, so therefore our immune system says, hey, guess what? We have something foreign here, I'm gonna do everything I can to rid it, but during that process, it can't rid it, so there's a constant inflammatory response, which now leads to a neurological response. And that's why you see, that's why people say, vaccines don't cause autism, no it doesn't. Vaccines cause immune response that now creates a neurological response that damages the brain, and that's where autism comes from. And it's why if you ever look at the history of certain viruses, there's, there's there's, I can actually give you probably 200 documented lit, on just in literature showing that even mothers that got measles, mumps, or rubella as a natural infection when they're pregnant, they, there's a certain population of those kids before vaccines existed that did actually have autism because those are, those are viruses that could have neurological effects. But what we're doing now is we're bypassing all the, all the immune responses, the natural immune responses, and now the body goes, wait, you just put me into a fight or flight because there's no virus that bypasses all these barriers. And if you look and see, this is where in, 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 in your language, here's I want you to watch this. Your language actually shows that you've been programmed by the medical field a certain thing away, because watch. When you build up a, a natural immune response, antibodies are not the thing. Antibodies by nature are a, foreign, are a protein that is meant for the emergency response because they can be perpetuated very quickly, but then our body produces Mr. Pac-Man's, T cells and other killer cells that do what? and then you'll see a natural attenuation of antibodies to go down. And because they say, they say well, not, those go down, so we gotta give you a booster, okay? Compared to if you produce your CD4 and CD8 cells your, and, your, and your other T cells, those actually create long-term cells that don't go away. And so therefore, by nature, your antibodies will drop and they want you to understand antibodies because they say, look at our artificial is stimulation, our inflammatory response. And if you ever look at this way, and I predicted this, I was sitting with a pharmacist who was a very good friend of mine and then a nurse practitioner. We're sitting in my conference room about three years ago. And I said, watch this guys, here's what's gonna happen. They're gonna do mass vaccination and then you're gonna see a massive response of cancers and autoimmune diseases because an autoimmune disease is measured by the amount of antibodies destroying a tissue in your system. Guess what happens? Autoimmune disease all time high right now, cancer's all time high because the one thing about the COVID vaccine it takes and it destroys your immune cells. It causes antibody response and destroys your natural killer cells and your T cells. And now you're setting yourself up for other cancers. It's well documented, there's so much research on it. It's kind of scary and that's why this really, in the perpetuation of even a vaccine, this is very different, but it's still, here's what happens. It's still immune manipulation. And just like you cannot endocrine disrupt a woman back to normal, you can't immune manipulate somebody to have a normal immune response. It's impossible and this is the perpetuation that we're thinking. But guess what, what if I told you, 
that you could keep your immune system very strong so then when you came in contact with any virus that you can not only do well, but you can go through it very quickly. And I can show you teenage, you know, and this is not an old person's disease. This is not an old person's disease. You know why? I can show you a 93-year-old person that got it that was under our care for 15 years. Her immune system was tested before she even got it and all of her natural killer cells. And one thing of this, do a PubMed search, natural killer cells in COVID. Do you understand that natural killer cells, which are part of your innate immune system, is one of the major regulars to know if you're going to even die or be affected by it. There's so much literature on that's crazy, but guess what happens? There's no pharmaceutical thing that builds natural killer cells. But guess what? There are herbals, there are vitamin C, there's zinc, there's other things that build your immune system that now help that normal immune response to keep you protected, not only from an initial onset of a virus, but maintaining those immune responses. But you're not taught that. See, that's why, that's what we do. We, and, but here's what things. When people um, first got, you know, first heard about the virus, I say, here's what happens. I don't care what virus it is. You gotta see where your natural killers are, your T cells, your CD4, ECD8, please do me a favor. Here, here's immune panel, get your blood done. You can do it by any doctor, any lab. You don't even need a doctor, go to the lab, do anything that way. And because if your immune system is deficient, you better be scared of every virus and every bacteria on the planet. You better, because it's gonna wipe you out. And so therefore, instead of testing the, for a presence of a virus, they should have been saying, hey, listen, instead of getting a PCR test, let's test your natural killer cells. And let's tell it, let's see your CD4 cells or CD8s. And then that will determine if you should stay at home, if you should do those things. There's people that I tested their immune system and said, do not come in contact with the virus. You may not make it. See, so that's what they say. So Holy crap, doc, you're telling people that they could have not made it from COVID? Yep because I saw your immune system. That's why cancer, which is an immune deficiency syndrome and a metabolic disease, that's why they say, guess what? Those people died, have more chance of dying. Yeah, because their immune system is what? Sufficient or deficient. And chemotherapy, radiation, everything like that, even create deficiencies so they let them immunocompromised. So what would somebody do listening to this who trusted the system, got the vaccine, what can they do now to uh, either counteract the effects or to make sure they're taking proper precaution. And I, I don't want to speculate on what happened to Brawny, and it's a, it's a horrific, as a father, just a horrific thing to hear from your son. But I mean, there's a lot of people that are speculating that the cardiac arrest, we're seeing high numbers of cardiac arrests, especially in athletes coming out of COVID. And there certainly are people who are, who are saying, hey, this is a direct result of, of uh, the vaccine. And certainly, there seems to be a correlation. I don't know about causation, but there certainly seems to be a correlation anyway. What could somebody do right now? What, what steps can somebody take practically to go, fuck, I wish I wouldn't have done this, but I did. What can I do? How do I, how do I reverse this or take care of my body? Your body wants to be normal. It does. And so therefore you have to counteract the immune response that is inflammatory, it's still sitting there. And that's where number one, get your immune system tested because you can see what cells that are elevated or deficient to help to normalize them. Um, and you gotta remember there's, there's and, and, and it doesn't, and there's no pharmaceutical that's gonna get that normal, it's not. You know, if you think of it this way, uh, the things that they've done and they've perpetuated the spike protein, which is by damaging to most cells, and it's funny, they pick the one thing that really causes massive damage to tissue, the spike protein, and they wanna create it in people's bodies, okay? And the thing is this, so then what you need to do is just get your, your system normal. That's it, your immune system is meant to be normal. It's actually, it wants to be. But you might, once again, if you look at some of these kids that let's say they came in with massive neurological damage post-vaccine, which I've seen for 24 years. I had to do things that, that helped them remove the aluminum, to help them remove those inflammatory responses. And that only comes from rebuilding and restoration 
to that immune system and also clearing out the body. You know, that's why people don't realize. If you ever look at, they did, they've done studies on children on this, um, that if the child was a little bit more obese than actually skinny, they had more rates of autism in skinny kids. Do you know why? Because when they injected a kid, fat tissue. Oh, the fat tissue is where it, it stores, stores it to protect you because it has somewhere to go. Yes, and so therefore, and that's why, so for example, a lot of people do that, say, Doc, I start to lose weight and I feel like crap. Well, of course you do because adipose tissue holds a lot of toxicity, and so now you're losing it. Now in order to, to do it, you have to metabolize that, break it down, and you spread toxin through your system. Now you gotta get it out. And so, that, so what you do is now you support, the, you support the metabolic processes of your body to help rid those things in your liver, in your GI tract, and also support your neurological repair and, and therefore, now you can start to move those inflammatory immune responses out and therefore get your immune system and that inflammatory response down. And here's what happens, guys. Your body wants to regenerate every day. Do you understand that the majority of you right now listening, within 16 hours, your skin cells have, are, are regenerated. We have, see, that's the amazing, and people say, well, doc, but I'm 80. Cut your finger. What does it do? It heals, okay? Your body, till the day you die, you are programmed genetically to repair, restore, and there's no pharmaceutical deficiency syndrome that led to your not repair. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there are some cells that actually continue to heal even after you die for a period of time. Well, it's true. They really do. That's why, that's why I've ever noticed you can take cells and leave them, put them in a petri dish, and they will live. Um, and, and, and a lot of that is actually neurologically controlled because, remember, your organs grow from the end of nerves like apples grow from a tree. That's why if you, if you cut a nerve going to your leg, your leg will not only not work, but it'll atrophy. Do you say I'm? Um, now it won't fully atrophy because it does live independently a little bit, but neurological stimulation is important. And that's why even coming back to, coming back to part of healing, movement. You know what I'm saying? Movement is very key, you know, because we need that neurological stimulation. Actually, people don't realize this, that by nature of our, of our spine and spinal cord moving, we have something called the vermis, which actually creates electricity like a generator. So that's why if you're ever tired, get up and move. Get up and move. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you can, and you can stimulate the, you can stimulate other neurological things by looking at the sun. You can stimulate other neurological things by actually putting your feet on the ground and absorbing those electrons. You can get your skin. You know, we think the sun is bad. We don't realize the sun actually produces uh, photoelectric energy for us and gets our body. That's why it's very important. Me and my wife this morning um, got up this morning and uh, we went right outside. I was in my underwear. She was all in a nice nighty. It was pretty hot for me. But anyways, uh, uh, and we were outside and we were, because we live in the country and, and so we don't have neighbors and stuff of that. And it was like uh, we were walking around in our underwears and uh, out in the country uh, getting grounding in because obviously living in Green Bay. You know, we, we do that during the winter, but it's a little bit cold at 30 below in January. So, you know, we get, we get our cold baths pretty easily. But uh, we get your cold therapy in too at the same time. Yeah. And see, and the one thing that people don't realize is that it's very cost effective to build your body naturally. And therefore, it's unpatentable. Even if I give you, like, for example, like, let's say milk thistle, which is hepatoprotective, helps reverse uh, fibroids and cysts, and you can actually reverse fatty liver, you can reverse uh, alcohol uh, fatty liver that way. You can't patent it. They tried to patent sulforaphane when, when they realized that sulforaphane actually is a very good cancer remedy, and it went up to the Supreme Court. Look it up. John Hopkins tried to patent it, but they couldn't because you can't patent natural substances because they can't turn it now into a billion dollar industry. And so if you look at the history, and this is not a joke. You couldn't, they couldn't have patented it because it was natural occurring in milk thistle or where? Yes, because sulforaphane comes in broccoli sprouts. Okay, now watch this. And just type in broccoli sprouts in Supreme Court ruling. 
because they tried to patent it because sulforaphane actually shows massive cancer benefits. So they wanted to patent it so they could use it for cancer form treatment. And then what they do, that once they couldn't, they suppressed all the information, but it's still widely available. That's why the internet actually has been a great job of, um, because this happened back in the, in the 90s and before, and so what they do is, that, so that's one thing why they suppress information like this getting out, because broccoli sprouts you can grow right in your home on the ledge, even if you live in a city. Okay, so. Why is the, why is the medical industry in your, in your, from your point of view, is it just money? Is that the reason why it seems so ass backwards? Like what, yeah. when I hear stuff like this, I'm like, what, why aren't we putting people first? Money. It is. And, and it's the only conclusion, even doing this for 24 years, and I fought politically, I fight politically constantly. Um, you know, it's really, and I can honestly tell you, the last three years, as I talked about, you know, really brought some things out. But also, I became very, a little bit more cynical. And I'll just be honest with you, because I've known you as a friend, and I'm sharing it with you honestly that way, is because I watch every one of your videos. I watch, I, I, I love the stuff you're doing, and you know this, that when things are good, you know, you know, people get lax. When things are tough, you'll really find out where your leaders are at. And you really saw, when good people do nothing, evil prevails. And when you're always, and when you're always preparing for yourself with personal growth, you see things differently. Because you go, nah, this is gonna turn badly, and I did. And then I watched communities of people that act like they're leaders and act like they're strong, cower, cower like crazy. And so I got, I got a little disheartened with a lot of people, you know, saying, and I, we, now we know this, we know this quite well, and I should have been disappointed, but I, you know, I will always be transparent and honest. I think this would be a great doctor. I think that's why females trust me so much because I, I, like I tell people, I'll surprise people even compared to climate right now is I, I don't have a vagina, even though I know the vagina quite well. I want to thank my wife's vagina, otherwise I wouldn't be here today and stuff like that. But, but the idea is this, is I watched, I, I was empathetic to the fact that I understood what females go through because I, I had the experience myself, not physically. But then what happened is I watched things perpetuate and I was going, okay, why are they pushing this, these things that way? And if you look at this, and this is really sad, but this is public record. Do you understand that every company that we depend on for healthcare in the dominant form, there has never been larger fraud cases than within the medical field. They're the largest fraud cases in history. All the things you talk about Wall Street and things like that, there's been more fraud in healthcare than Wall Street could ever add up and then some. And see, that's why, going, and that's why you look at it going, it's a, it's a business aspect. And instead of staying up for what is humanitarian right, uh, people cower down. I, you think I'm joking, I may not, people may have loved what I said to this point right now. Well, Doc, I have to support my family. No, you have to stand up for what's right. You say, I'm, oh, I, I gotta take this because this, this. And then all these people want you to feel sorry for them when they make bad choices and go, oh my goodness, now I have a heart attack because of the vaccine. Please feel sorry for me. No, I don't feel sorry for you. How, so how do we change this? How do we change our system? If you, if you were able to, to take it over, how would we change it? Oh, do you, am I getting a censor on this one? Because I'll tell you. <laughs> if I, if I, <laughs> Give me a Warren Buffett answer. I love his answer how we deal with all of our problems with Congress. Because of this, okay? Now, once again, and I can only relate to it politically, but I have to speak a little broader, so give me 30 seconds to set this up. Okay, here's what happens. I got a question for all you guys. And no matter where I speak, because once again, people, um, people get my political views wrong, but I'll sum it up in one thing. Who should make the healthcare decisions for you and your family? You or the government? I don't care if I speak, I don't care if I speak to Democrats, I don't care if I speak to Republicans, I don't care if I speak to communists. They say, we should make the decisions for us. 
Okay, but no, but you'd be surprised. So I, I wipe the political slate clean right there. Okay, so there you go. So therefore, here's what happens. And, and then you sit there and go, it's why, now let me give you a, a end and work backwards a little bit. That's why I so want Trump in office. Okay, they're wrong. I just personally gave money to RFK. He's a Democrat. I actually like DeSantis. I like Trump. There's your three, there's basically our three candidates right there. And I, and I wouldn't care if either other one, but I really want Trump. Do you know why I want Trump? Because he's coming for revenge. And here's what happens this. I had a person, I had a Marine the other day say, you know, um, the January 6th thing was ridiculous. I said, not really. I think it actually should have been a little bit more devastating because without respect and fear, without, do you really think the people that are in control have a fear of the public? See, we need to dismantle. You think that Trump ain't going to go after the FBI? You think he's not going to go after the CIA? Hey, JFK didn't. Look what happened. JFK said, I want to get rid of the CIA and look what they did to him. See, the idea is this, is you have to get rid of, of power and money away from people because, and it comes down to personal responsibility and personal choice. But we are so, we so get people, here, watch this, you and I are wealthy, okay? And if you remember, there was a lot of people of different nationalities and foreign, there was African-Americans at that event that way. We've done well financially that way. Do you think that any of us ever talk about race? No, do you know why? Because wealthy people don't have time. They're, they're actually progressing and they don't care what your race is, what your background is. We met people that were from Israel. We met people that were, were different nationalities of us. Because what they do is they get, the, they get the people arguing about the dumbest things or they get people watching sports and stuff. And what they do is they distract people instead of preparing. And that's one thing I loved about everything you're doing. You're preparing people instead of distracting people. But preparing people means you have to look inward and you have to now you know, dig into the things that you may believe and realize that may you, what you're taught, what your parents taught you, what the society teach you is wrong. And that's where personal growth really works. How to think, so, not what to think. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, a few things. I'm not really, I haven't gotten to the point where I think there is some mastermind evil group of people who genuinely are trying to destroy the human race or trying to control them. I describe this as humans being humans, and that if we're very honest, we're still an incredibly primitive species who has a lot to figure out still, and we think power, control, and violence is how we're gonna resolve our problems. But I, have, I haven't gotten my, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people that wanna, that, you know, said there's a, a powerful group of people with an agenda to control everyone else. That may be true, by the way. I'm not saying it's not true. I just haven't gotten to a point where I've lost all faith in our government and all faith in our system to change. What I do think is there is an insane amount of apathy by a lot of wealthy people who have what they want. And there is, it's, it's the old, you know, the cycle of a nation where you get to a certain point of affluence where things get too easy. When things get too easy, we slide into to disarray and then ultimately tyranny. And I see it, right? And I, I don't know. I don't, you know, an opposite opinion here, I don't want to see Trump in office, mostly because I, I don't disagree with your assessment. My issue with him is, I think we need unity, not division. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean we don't need to root out some, some systems that need massive overhaul, but it, turning Americans against Americans, and, and I don't know that I would say he necessarily did that intentionally, but how he decided to show up, to me, wasn't leadership. I like that he liked going after the system. I like that he liked challenging things that are broke. I love that he liked calling a spade a spade. There's things I certainly admired about him, but there was so much chaos and division that he perpetuated instead of subsided. And I don't think you need chaos and division 
to get the system fixed. Now, I could be wrong and I could be very idealistic here. Certainly, we could go back to the Revolutionary War and our founding fathers may have a, an entirely different opinion about whether or not what I'm saying is accurate. I just don't think we're there yet. Uh, but I do yeah. see systems that I'm like, how are we allowing this? And healthcare is one of them, right? This is, a, this is an area where the, the business of education and the business of healthcare seem to have taken over. And we're not putting people first. Well, and I can I can explain to you, and then this is where this is where we will have a little different on worldview that way. Because remember, the one thing that a lot of people realize is I'm a very big history buff. It was my it was my second love next to healthcare. That's all the books behind me are all the the Western classics, and that's by design. I'm exactly, because if you look at history, that's why we even have a constitution because majority of our history there is always people that want to control and dominate and make you their peasants and so therefore and our founding fathers and i've been obsessed with them since college because when i took my first constitutional class that's why i've been involved in politics for a long period of time and i said in the last three years i showed you and i said in deal with the medical field there's always domination that's why if you look at doctors they will and they'll do it by and, and see before um and here, here's one thing let's say this let's let me give this I don't think there ever can be unity. I think it's totally opposite. I think we're at war always. I tell people I was meant for war. And if I wasn't there for war the last three years, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have had their freedoms to choose what they want to do. Um, if you look at George Washington, George Washington was never called to be in politics. That they, they begged him because our politics, he didn't want to be. His politics, they said, listen, no, you are such an upstanding individual that we want you to be. And, and here's why, is because he just did what was right regardless of the consequence that way. And, and most of the founding fathers uh, died broke and, and uh, in a bad way. But here's the point, is because here's what happens. Now watch this, is this is where, for example, a lot of people, and I'll use this from a simple standpoint, which makes it very easy. Because um, people say, Doc, you're very critical about certain groups of people. I say, yes, I am. For example, um, I'm totally against socialized medicine in every single way. Against it in every single way, okay? And here's why, is because if you look at the UK, 10% of their budget is on diabetes, type two. I mean, the fact that one-tenth of their full budget is based on that. Do you know how you stop spending money on diabetes? Stop eating sugar. Stop eating sugar, that's it. Okay, so therefore, Medicaid, Medicare, all some of this. I go through the grocery store, I went there today. 95% of stuff in there, I looked at people's carts, I'm like going, you're overweight, you're gonna have diabetes, and then now you'll want me to pay for your healthcare. And people do not make good personal choices. So therefore, I should not be penalized for your bad choice. How to think, not what to think. I'm with you. I get it. That's, you're right. And, and, and I go out there and educate, and then people always give you excuses. And I'm okay. With, and see, uh, on a freedom standpoint, if we go back to history and the Constitution, that, that I'm, I fight for your right to do all the bad things until you try to say that I should pay for your bad things or I should go into your bad things that are against my personal choice. That would be like, for example, like I said, this, this. Well, you know, you should get the vaccine to love your neighbor. Um, you heard that from the Christian bullshit, okay? And the Christian community should be, should be you know, ashamed of what they did during the COVID uh, stuff that way uh, because they gave up on all the religious beasts during time and stuff. But the idea is this, is like, and that's why I said, you have to be, and I think this is where personal growth goes so well. Because when you start working on yourself, you start to introspect and you work on yourself, but you know it's just as well as I do. And this is, where, this is where it gets a little tricky, and this is why I think I've thrived in business so much, and why I believe you thrive best, and this is where we connect big time. And this is the part, but you've experienced this, and I, and I want to get your opinion, even though you're, you're interviewing me today, I want to get your opinion on this. I believe that I've succeeded so well is because um, my major business premise is no different than being a doctor, is 
there's nothing you can accomplish in life that isn't great without other people. You need to invest in people. I don't invest in products, I invest in people. But here's the thing. You have a big company, I have a big company. Have you ever invested in people and it didn't work out and they just were a piece of crap? See, so therefore, and those people will come and say, Sebastian, you're just a rich asshole. Sebastian, this, this, this. And so it is a war because then they say, you should pay your fair share so I can get some of that and things. Or uh, you should get the back. And see, go ahead. I was just going to say, in my experience very often, the people you help out the most are the ones that are the least uh, grateful. Right? It's like the so you need to grow, but you want something? But if you invest in them and they grow personally, that's where you change the world. That's, and I, I'm 100% with you. And I, you're using the word war. I would, I would use, so I'm, I'm a huge history buff myself. And I read, the, uh, I read George Washington's farewell address every July 4th because the dude, the dude was incredible, but he basically prophesied about the, the challenges our country was going to have going forward, the things we were going to have to look out for. And it was like, he's just spot on. And he, they, they wanted him to stay in office, right? They're like, no, no, no. Keep, and, and he was the one that was advocating for term limits. And he stepped yep. down even though they wanted him to stay in office which he relinquished power, which is back to your point. You're not wrong when you say history is full of examples of humans wanting power to control other humans. I don't disagree at all. And in, under that premise, if you're like, so it's pretty easy to think that there is a group of people trying to control everything, fair enough. History is, is certainly full of examples that suggest that. I, I, war isn't the word I would use. The reason we have a bipartisan system is to keep both sides in check and the, and, and and, and loosely here, I don't know if this is a great representation anymore, but loosely I would say the Republican Party is generally on the side of personal responsibility, right? That's a conservative view. You are personally responsible for yourself. And the Democratic Party is, tends to be on the social responsibility side. And the tension or the truth is in the middle, which is if they're working together, they're holding that line where we don't go too far to everything is your fault and too far to nothing is your fault. Right, and it's, it's holding that line. The trick though, and what is, I think we're, where we're in trouble right now in our society is, I don't see how you get to social responsibility without first owning personal responsibility, to your point, right? And that's what you're saying ultimately is like, hey, why aren't we teaching preventative medicine? Why aren't we doing things to teach people how to take care of their body? Well, and, and, and I think we're both saying, well, there's no money in that, or there's very little money in it. It's, it's, it's a far better industry to treat disease and let people destroy their bodies. And I'm with you in that I'm all about personal freedom. If you want to eat Snicker bars every day because that's what you enjoy and you own responsibility for what that's going to bring to your body, great. That's your choice. You get to show up that way. Just please don't ask society to pay the price for that. And I... I hear you. I got a little funny for you. Yeah, get in there. So this, 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 this I think, will, where we agree 100% on all the things, watch this. With my family, I'm a communist. With my friends, I'm a Democrat. With the, with my, with the public, I'm a Republican. With the world, I'm libertarian. Woo! And that, that, that's my political view. Because within your family, you can hold a communist structure. It works, yes. right? Because there's, within that, that, that small group, it's easy to hold that value system, right? Because you don't have the power struggles the same way. I'm, I'm, that's beautiful. I've, I've never heard that, but I love that, uh, I love that uh, description. Yeah, because people try to say I'm a conservative Republican. It's totally opposite. It's actually totally opposite because um, no, no, no. Because I, I have to take responsibility for my kids and you're going to listen to me. 
You know what I'm saying? And because I got to protect you and, pre and, and prepare you for the world and stuff. So it's like, and then of course, but then of course it, it, it expands on it that way. It's just that when we're trying to make the world into communism or democratic, it's impossible because you would have to have a major influence on them because here's what happens. They would like right now, if you think of it this way, I'm the minority in healthcare. So the communistic aspect or the democratic aspect said, well, you should take these drugs and you should take these, and it's based on who's in power. Well, healthcare medicine, they're in power. So they tried to commune that to everybody. They tried to, let's vote or this, and they tried to force. And that's where it's like going, you have to be libertarian with the world because that's where it goes personal responsibility. And if we each take personal responsibility, then you believe it or not, what I've done and you've done are communistic aspect of people and family has gotten bigger because now Erin, my journalist right here, she's like family. I want to take care of her financially and everything. Do you see him, Sam? And so that group can be bigger. And that's why I think is humanitarian wise. Such a beautiful, I love the, I love the way you put that. And I, that makes a hundred percent. I can get behind that super quick. So, so in our society right now, and then you see the United States, you know, and I want to hear your thoughts on this post-World War One. The United States culture was very libertarian, right? It was very laissez-faire, uh, be free, you get to do what you want, we get to do what we want. And we had no interest in imperialism, we had no interest, at least as a culture, I'm not necessarily speaking for our government, but our culture had no interest in getting involved in world affairs. Right? World War I happens, the government's staying out of it, and then U.S. soldiers start getting frustrated, they're, they're, going, they're drafting through Canada to go fight in World War I. World War II shows up on the scene. Again, we try to stay out of it. And then uh, Pearl Harbor happens. We get involved. And then after that, we're like, the world can't take care of itself. And we'd rather fight these battles on other people's shores than our own. Right? So the, the shift happened because it was like, hey, we can either let the world go to hell in a handbasket, and eventually it's going to come to our shores, or we can be responsible. Going back to a quote you said earlier, and I agree, all it takes for evil to prevail, to prevail is for good men to do nothing. So we took that approach and we got more involved and we're hated for it by some, right? We're either hated or loved. Either, either countries love that we got involved in policing the world or they hate us. And that's, you know, it's an unpopular opinion. But how do you resolve that within yourself? Like when is it, and you said you've been in politics most of your life and I love that, or you're in the political scene. So where do you resolve letting people be free and hey, we need to do something. We need to intervene. Well, it depends. Okay, here, let's do this. Is... So I have a, I have a, a, a bunch of uh, friends that are pastors, okay? And it's, in, it's, in, it's interesting because uh, we talk about the, the aspect, because obviously I'm a, uh, by nature of faith, you know, I believe in Jesus, just me. You can believe whatever you want, I'm, this is me and everything. And um, even though I'm very highly critical of the church and stuff like that, but that's a whole other story. But here, um, it's, it's like, you know this just as well as I do, being a business person, you know, Whenever you, you know, look at a person that, you know, from their personal standpoint, I don't know how a person can be trusted, respected if they can't take care of themselves. I mean, the fact that, you know, I watch a person, you know, I, one thing that from a standpoint of, and I'll bring it to a macro scale in a second, when my HR department does an interview, um, one of my HR girls, what they do is that um, they will find out where their car is. And... I have them walk out to their car, and if their car is a mess, end the interview. Get rid of them. Because a car is something that people spend a lot of time in. Um, it's a representation of who they are. I think it's why Jordan Peterson got so popular. His first rule is make your bed. You know what I'm saying? 
you can't even take care of your own home. How do I expect you to take care of my home? And so therefore, or it's like this, I, I, I am very critical of churches going, I mean this sincerely, where it's like um, in Wisconsin, there's um, thousands of kids that, um, actually this is well known. There's roughly 440,000 churches in the United States. If every church just took one child, there'd be no orphans. So if one family from one, every one of those churches took one child, there'd be no orphans. Yet we'll run over to Africa and Ethiopia and grab a bunch of kids and adopt them when we can't even take care of our own home. And it's, it's okay to spread freedom and liberty to other people, but you gotta understand, you know, it's like people don't believe in the same truths. See, because people say there's only one truth, that's not really true. It's based on religious views, it's based on political views, it's how you see the world. Because if you, a Christian people say this all the time, we got the truth. But you know, some, so the Muslims say that too, so the Buddhists say that too, so the other religions, they say they got the truth. And I'm, and I'm like going, I, you can believe all that you want is it's not, as long as it's not impeded or oppressed on other people. And that's why, that's why I literally tell you people this. People tell me, you know, all these people are free. I'm like, uh-huh, COVID showed you how free you really weren't. Because Australia used to brag how free they were until COVID came along. I'm like, now nah, you're going to, sh you know, shut up down under down there. Do you understand? Because I have a huge following in Australia, and I got asked to speak there during COVID, things like that. And, um, and that's the point where it's like going, you know, you don't realize this. Evil by nature falls apart eventually. It really does. So people are like, you know something, Russia will dominate and take Orbe and then they're going to attack the United States. Well, the stronger that you are internally, it's very hard to, to go after the biggest person. And you see that over and over again throughout history. The biggest empires fall apart from the inside out. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a stronger power. It's they deteriorate from the inside out. And it, that's the cycle of a nation, right? You get to a certain level of power and influence and you deteriorate and eventually, uh, you know, somebody else comes in and takes over. So and if you look at what they did with Ukraine, I'm sorry, you know, 147 billion. Do you, do you think this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to this. Do you, think, do you think what we're seeing is intentional? Do you think that there is a society of people that their intention is to deteriorate um, the family unit, to destroy the culture of a, a country or to weaken it to a point where it loses control or loses its ability to be influential? Or do you think part of this is simply human nature? What's your thoughts on it? My, my personal opinion is pendulum swing um, because people know me as a very masculine man and I, t I always say this, men create society, women create the home. And you'll see, you'll see female politicians say this, say, well, if men are in control, war exists. Yeah, men are made for war. That's how we're really made for war. Now, they're wrong. And sometimes- Not war, just war, but I agree with you, provide and protect. Yeah. It is part of the, the yeah, male meat suit. Provide. And therefore, when you protect and provide, that doesn't mean violence is gonna be there. Do you understand? You're just prepared for war. Because here's what happens. It's very, it's very easy to attack weak people. Peace through superior firepower. That's the- Exactly. So therefore, what happens is, um, but then if you go back, so let's go back to some history, which was really true, and this still happens today. Sebastian, when I got into practice, I was so devastated to find out how physically abused women were. Physically, husbands would hit them. Okay, now if you do go back 50, 100 years ago, yeah, women, they, you know, guess what happens? They beat women a little bit, you know, and it's, it was horrible, it's devastating, it's ridiculous. Um, well, let's be fair, let's be fair, through the last millennia, of history, 
women have been getting fucked in all the wrong ways. Like I, I don't, yes. I have no problem understanding why the last hundred years have the pendulum has swung the other direction when exactly. you look at history. There, I have no issue with it. But it swung the wrong way, and now it's like, okay, now women can do no wrong. And it's like, I'm going- When you react to error, you cause more error, right? That's yes. the issue is we, we got to stop reacting to error and respond and heal. And I'm really hoping we're going to move into a season where the masculine and feminine come together in the magical dance and they heal and they learn to work together, not this craziness that we're seeing now. But I, I, I'm, I'm empathetic. It's very easy for me to understand how we got here. I'm not lost on that. Right, because, and, and I know it's really funny, like, and therefore I look at the characteristics because here's what happens, and it all ties back to why people are like, Doc, well, you've been talking about this hormonal stuff and men and women for 24 years. I say, yeah, because guess what? Testosterone by nature is a very aggressive hormone. It makes us laser focused, it makes us sexually driven. Now it's kind of funny, and if a guy is sexually driven and aggressive, they call, him a, they call him a Harvey Weinstein. No, because if a man is stoic and learns how to control his emotions, he'll use them in a proper way. If he's, if he's, you know, doesn't control them, he's a very bad human being. Vice versa, women are empathetic and they're very sympathetic, but the bad part is that's horrible for society. Women being empathetic is, is horrible society because they'll perpetuate bad behavior because um, I had a family member that was in prison a very close friend member, and I'd go visit him, and I'd be sitting there talking to all the, the moms and stuff when they called the roll call for the prison call because the prison camp, there was, it, was, it was just certain white collar crimes, and the moms would say, you know, he's actually a really good kid. I'm like, we're sitting in prison. He's not that great a kid. See, because by nature, the empathy, because those are characteristics that estrogen makes it empathetic and things like that, and then we go out to the, then you get women in politics, and they're empathetic for, for the poor child, or the poor, not poor child, the poor person. And I'm going, well, okay, I'm a testosterone-filled, aggressive man that works at 70 hours a week, and they don't do anything, ah, don't have any empathy or sympathy for them, and there's where the battle comes up. Now, I tell people this, 80% of my company is based on the characteristics of men. Guess what? Competitive. Do you understand that competitive is only accepted in sports today? If you if you if you're out there and you're trying to beat your enemy and try to try to you know when Aaron Rodgers did this, Aaron Rodgers when he's Chicago he's owned them like crazy. He scores touchdown and the microphone caught me. He's like, I own you, Chicago. Every female male in Green Bay was like, Yeah. And every and every person in Chicago was like, He's not humble. He's this 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 this. But you know what's really funny? Sports are the only place that men can be men because if it goes into society or into anything that way, they say that it's toxic masculinity. That's not true. Toxicity is regardless of if you're male or female, but masculine traits build society and competitiveness makes it to where your product will always get better and more efficient and actually in, in quality goes up and price gets better and stuff like that. And guess what happens? And all the other characteristics, uh, laser focused. Do you understand that almost every profession in the world is and, and any, the number one is always a male, hairdresser, cook, anything. Because you know why? Because they can, they can laser focus, and you know this as well as I do. Um, you have a wonderful family. But when you leave that day, today, you can leave the work and forget they even exist. Now, because testosterone does that. With women, estrogen keeps them connected to what? Everything. And so they can't leave, the, they can't leave. and by nature, I've shown this, by nature, our body can handle the stress. They can't. So just by nature, I will outwork you even by hours, and your body will give up physically, and mine won't. My body's meant to handle stress. And this is basic biology. <laughs> and and I, I think I would offer, and I think you would agree with me, just as for those who are listening, different kinds of stress, right? They're optimized for different things. And as kind of a theme throughout what we're talking about, 
there's a balance, right? Both are important, but when you go so far one way, where it, when we're swinging so far one way, we're gonna correct back the other because we missed the other half, right? And both, both aspects are incredibly important and bringing unity to that, which is historically, hasn't seemed to be uh, uh, very common, but I think, I'm hoping that's where we're gonna go as a society and as, as a race, well, meaning the human race, we're gonna figure out how to bring the, the masculine and the feminine back to that magical dance and work together. I'll show you this. So I'm doing this as a company and we're thriving like crazy. So about 80% is masculine, 20% is, is feminine. But here, watch this. Because if it's 100% masculine, you have Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. You do, that's what you have. Now, so you need, you need the, but here's what happens this. If the feminine traits are brought into corporations and dominant, you're seeing what's happening now. Now there's, they try to get rid of competition. They tried to put, you know, remember, they try to have the equity of outcome and you lose competition. So therefore quality goes down and you're going to get beat because the compassionate mom says, give him a chance. No, here's a six foot five linebacker and here's a five foot one uh, uh, small, sorry, Chinese guy. I'm sorry, I'm going to six foot five guy. Do you say I'm 100% you're going to you're going to get destroyed in a, in a structure of competition if that's the case, right? Like, so I'm a huge fan of, of equality of opportunity. And what you're saying, obviously, is that if we move too far into quality of outcome, we will destroy the fabric uh, of our society and how we improve and how we make things better. And we'll get lost in the sauce. And we're seeing that in different aspects. Right. And I think you're right. You're saying about sports. I think you agree. I think I agree. The, like there isn't a lot of rites of passage right now into masculinity in society. We don't have men teaching boys how to become men. And one of the few places you get anywhere close to experiencing that is if you grew up playing sports. And so I, I think there's a lot we could talk about here on that. And that's, that's a powerful topic. But sorry, you were, you were going to complete a point. Well, and then, then come back to this. Okay. On the flip side, you know, watch this. So then, so then think about this. As all of a sudden, because women create a lot of peace. So women have it tougher in society than men do, but let me explain why. Because when a man goes home, he can keep those characteristics because a man will have some feminine characteristics that allow him to be compassionate, empathetic, you know, uh, those kind of things. But, the, but when they're trying to make boys that, it's counterproductive and they actually show it makes your testosterone goes down. That's why when men are around men, their testosterone goes up, okay? When they're around women, it actually goes down. The big study that was just done and I, I I'll, I'll try to link it in the show notes that showed that when you have, as a man, if you have a negative view of masculinity, how you feel, your mental health just gets wrecked. It, it does. Now, think about this. So therefore, you think of this way, women have it tougher, because, and let me explain this. I'm not, I'm not pandering to women, but think of it this way. If you go to society, the majority of your traits have to be masculine because you will not survive in the work world. That's why, that's why there had to be HR departments because if you didn't have some form of femininity, it'd be all Wolf of Wall Street, but the idea is this. But then all of a sudden you come into the work world and now you become competitive, you take on those characteristics, you succeed in business, but now you have to go home and be all feminine because I don't want to come home to a masculine feminine. I want to come home to a masculine woman because that will just create more competition and more war at home compared to women are the ones that can bring peace. So that's why we come home the greatest thing that a man is looking for that's highly productive and highly competitive and highly successful is peace at home because he's at war all day long. Yeah. I, I think you would agree with me, but correct me if you don't. Both men and women have the capacity to show up in masculine and feminine energy. Biologically, 
women tend to be predominant in feminine energy, men in masculine, but I think that there is some value in both men and women learning to show up appropriately in those energies, right? I think, for instance, you're holding your newborn uh, son or daughter as a man, you're probably going to exhibit a more feminine energy, uh, especially around the family unit when you have young kids. And I think, I think you would agree with me, and tell me if you don't, but your hormones actually, your body biologically aligns with that idea, uh, which is why T counts very often drop when there are young children at home. Yep. But here's what happens this. Here's one thing. I agree 100%. And I choose, I could be competitive all day long, but I have four daughters and I can sit and play on the floor with them. I always say a man should be able to, and I'll over exaggerate this point, a man should be able to go out and kill somebody and hang out with their daughters a couple hours later if he really knows how to control himself. Such a gnarly way of putting that, but I, I, I hear what you're trying to say. Exaggeration. I told you exaggeration, all hypothetical. But here's, here's the thing I want to show you is this. But what's happening today, feminism, churches, which are all feminized today, are trying to make men into second moms, and it doesn't work. And then women, and, and people suffering the most are women. Because I come along going, hey, listen, here's what. They want a man. My journalist is right here. And, I may, and I said, there's three, there's three M's that every man has to work on working for me. It's that mind, muscle, and money. If you don't have that together, you, yeah. Mind, muscle, and money are the three M's. And then women have the three S's. Sexy, sensitive, and serenity. And so, and those are all characteristics of the feminine. And so therefore, we teach that. And now, wrong. my female's like my- I love that, that's beautiful. Lead journalist right here. Uh, Erin Walton, she's the head of the department. When she, and her husband is actually part, a big part of my sales franchise aspect, right? Now he can be masculine all the time, but now what happens is he comes home, he has some, he can, he can share, because he also has three daughters, he can have certain feminine qualities for a little bit, but if men stay there, it will hurt them physically. Oh, 100%. And if women stay, if women stay in that competitive aspect of masculinity, it will hurt them physically. So therefore, and so women have it tougher because women have to go into the world and go, I gotta act like a male all the time, but then I gotta come home and now I gotta go back to a female. A male gets to kind of stay more of his masculinity if he's a real man all the time, and women don't. So I well, tell people that's why. We have a lot of men who are confused about that, though. I, a lot of my content that, that resonates is with women who are, or, who are wanting masculinity. They want, a, they want a masculine man in their life, and they're like, where are all the men? Where are all the masculine men? And it's, you hear a lot. And I, and I get a lot of uh, DMs and, and women reaching out to me. They're like, I don't want to be the provider. I don't want to exactly. be in the masculine. And they're, and, they're, and they're frustrated sometimes at their partner, sometimes at society that is telling them that's, this is how they're supposed to show up. So I agree with you. And I'd love to hear feedback from our audience, what they think one way or the other. But I think we have work to do in our society uh, to adjust a lot of these things. And, and, and uh, Patrick, I would love to continue this conversation. I think uh, we're over on time. But I'd love to, oh I would love to, uh, to schedule another time for us to talk because I think yeah. there's a lot of topics we didn't get to that I'd love to hear more about. I do have a couple rapid fire questions for you, yeah. doc questions. Uh, one of them was you were a fan of creatine, but you didn't think it was good for your kidneys. I'm, correct me if I'm not saying it correctly. So I take creatine every single day. I'm a big fan. Um, but you, I heard you say, hey, I, th I think there's good reason to take it both from an endurance standpoint, from a perform performance standpoint. I'm not convinced you need to supplement it. I think you can get it from red meat, which no doubt there is, you can get it from red meat. But can you just expand on why you think that may be bad for your kidneys specifically? Yeah, and, and, and remember, I always try to do short clips and you gotta watch my long format to understand. If you are, if, if you are, 
Yeah, if, if you are working on a regular basis, as long as you get a decent form, because there's a lot of supplementation that's just really synthetic junk. There's really good forms of creatine out there, and if you are if you are activating your lean muscle on a regular basis, you're going to need more water. It's going to hold it. It's going to be really good for you. A lot of people just what they do is they think by taking creatine, it's going to it's going to help their muscle system. That's not really true. What happens is it's going to have you hold water, and now you're going to put a lot of pressure on your kidneys. So if you are doing high levels of physical activity, creatine is great. If and as long as you have a good source. Now once again, so I even supplement with it. So I like to see more stuff from more food sources that way. But sometimes once again, you can you can supplement with it if you are at a high level. But if then if you just thinking most people take creatine saying I'm gonna take creatine, it's gonna help my muscles. No, if you don't have the physical activity that goes with it that way, you're gonna retain water. Now it's gonna put pressure on the kidneys. Blood pressure is gonna go up. You're gonna have to put some other kidney issues. So therefore, be careful. If you are if you do have the physical activity to support taking it, it's gonna be very beneficial. Beautiful, perfect. That's I love that. Um, big fan. Okay. Um, I think I already know the answer to this, but I'd love to get your your kind of short answer. What's your opinion of birth control? I think it's one of the most devastating things to human health. Uh, I think uh, it, what it does, there's a massive neurological effect that affects uh, LH and FSH. It actually works on the brain. It's called the endocrine disruptor. Um, there's not one disease that can't be linked to endocrine disrupting from cancers, heart disease, diabetes, everything in the world. Um, I am totally against it in every way. Uh, I, I will continue to educate women on how the physiology and mechanism of action works with it. So therefore, that's why if you ever look at the negative side effects, cancers, infertility, all the major things that women are scared of. And this is something that's perpetuated to actually, you know, be great for women. And if you really, if women are taught their cycle, there's only really a small window of when they can get pregnant. Um, there's other forms of contraceptive that, once again, nothing's 100%, not even birth control, but at least with a condom compared to like uh, birth control, um, with the exception of maybe having a latex allergy, there's going to be no hormonal issues or other healthcare problems that come from Beautiful. it. Beautiful. I love it. If I'm a man and I've got low testosterone in my 20s, what's the, what's the maybe this is too much of an ask, but I'm going to give you a run at it. What's the best thing I can do to get my T-count up naturally? Number one, stop sugar. Okay, because what happens is this. Whenever you look at the majority of people actually have great uh, testosterone production, it's just that people don't realize that testosterone can convert into other hormones. So therefore, it's called aromatasing. And if you look at, once again, right now, um, one out of every hundred uh, men, or one out of every hundred breast cancer diagnoses are men, because when your testosterone um, aromatases, which happens in adipose tissue or stimulation of increase in sugar, what it now does it converts it to estrogen, which now turns you into a female hormone, which now makes you more physically and psychologically like a woman. So therefore, you'll start taking on estrogen dominant traits, which can now lead to other healthcare conditions. So therefore, number that's that's the first thing. Number two, make sure you're sufficient in your cholesterol because it's a backbone. Oh, Makes you weird. You mean sufficient, like, decent amount of cholesterol. Don't, don't suppress it. Weird. Yes, well, well if, you look at, if you look at statin medications, statin medications, one of the major side effects is low hormones. Why? Because statins interfere in your liver. It doesn't normalize your cholesterol. It's a manipulative inhibition of your liver, which now doesn't mobilize your cholesterol, so therefore you, you wound healing, immune system. Um, because remember, cholesterol is essential for life. The majority of the number one organ that uses cholesterol is your brain. That's why if you see Alzheimer's, dementia, all the other things that are side effects of statin drugs, because you now 
immobilized cholesterol is supposed to go there, but therefore if you have those ingredients to produce testosterone, if you do produce it, which most people don't have a problem unless you have a brain problem, which like an LH production problem or even a testicular damage, which is very rare, it's maybe a 1%, the majority of them you're converting those hormones, which when skim, and that's why the, these kids eating too much sugar and adults eating too much sugar, that way they're aromatizing it into estrogens, and that's why you see more man boobs, that's why you see more breast cancers, that's why you even see some female characteristics, and even not masculinity by doing this. And I believe if you ever look, when you start pushing hormones towards one side, remember, males can take on female characteristics if their estrogens get too high. I can show you hundreds of thousands of labs of men that have dominant estradiol because their testosterone's converting. And now our medical system says, well, we'll just replace it. Well then, once again, now you actually, once again, you endocrine disrupt, you cause brain problems that way, and if it gets too high, you can end up with all the aggressive problems that come with it. Well, this has been a wide-ranging conversation that I have thoroughly enjoyed. I definitely would love to have you on again. There's so much that we didn't get to, but where can people find you? Uh, where, where if, if people are looking for more information on your work, uh, where can they go? Well. Um, best place to see all the materials is our website called thewellnessway.com, just thewellnessway.com. You'll see all the clinics and all the docs and all the practitioners and all different natural field, medical field that works within my clinics. Um, also, I do, um, my book became an international bestseller within two weeks. It was kind of crazy. It's been selling a ton for six years now. It's called I Disagree. And my new book comes out January 6th called I Still Disagree. Um, my third book, my third book coming out 10 years later, we go, I told you I was fucking right. Um, but anyways, uh, um, but it's called, I still disagree because I added more. It's, it's almost like a chicken soup for the soul book where Chrissy's story was there, but now there's other immune stories, including things with COVID where I'll show you a 93 year old person that once again, their labs and I got, I got, and see everything is, is shown by labs, but the idea is I have a, you can see where I'm speaking. Um, it's at Dr. Patrick Flynn, drpatrickflynn.com. It's just my more my speaking schedule and things like that because um, I have a high demand for people to speak and uh, I do travel a lot and, and speak at all organizations from medical to different to natural to everything. Uh, so it's really just thewellnessway.com or drpatrickflynn, drpatrickflynn.com uh, for people to get to see what I'm doing. Plus, I do, uh, I put a lot of free content just trying to teach people what to do. Just free. Yeah, free content to make your life better because remember, um, if we can get people to do the right things, they won't need doctors. Yeah, I love it. Well, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming on. I'm looking forward to a follow-up to this one. Uh, this, was, this was a great conversation on, on a number of different topics. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. Are you looking for a reason to break all your excuses and stories and why you're not yet a success? Click on the video above to find out how a 26-year-old guy is worth $400 million from zero to hero in five years.